Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast on the internet for the internet because I like talking to shooters throughout the country. And this is the only way possible because I don't live close to them or do i own a van to travel and do podcasts that'd be kind of cool though without further ado we gotta talk about our title sponsor go fast don't suck they made this awesome banner that sits behind me if you actually watch the video version of this show so check them out um gofastdontsuck.net tell them manny sent you in your order notes and i'd greatly appreciate it without further ado we need to talk to the man behind the laser mr brian wolf how you doing brian i'm doing good how are you tonight i am doing fantastic on this good sunday evening uh it's been a nice uh busy weekend for me and probably for you so it's kind of nice to relax. It is. So if any of my listeners don't actually know who Mr. Brian Wolf is, he uh, his son was actually on the show, Matthew, uh, with two T's. Matthew with two T's. Um, was on the show a long time ago, so we're finally talking to his dad and actually getting all the truths behind every story that Matthew <laughs> ever has ever told. But uh, Brian, for people who don't know you, um, who are you and how did you get into shooting? Um, so my name is Brian Wolf. Um, I have been shooting USPSA since 2013 and I basically started just because I didn't have range time and I met some guys on a firearm forum, um, Carolina Shooters Club it was called at the time and they told me hey come on out here. I went to a match. In fact my first match was a uh, classifier match in a a match in Statesville, North Carolina, and that's where I started. From there, I just kind of grew. Got them, got both my boys involved in it. Um, my oldest son didn't really enjoy it too much, so he kind of dropped out. But uh, Matthew has stuck around with me since uh, since the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you said you found it on a shooting forum. That's kind of it's not. It's a little old school, I will say, because forums don't seem to be very popular anymore. Yeah. So we have. Um, so the Carolina Shooters Club. It was. It was a pretty big forum, um, and they had a competition section. Um, that forum has kind of gone away, and we now have the Carolina Firearm Forum. Basically, it's the same people, just uh, different ownership. Um, and believe it or not, it's actually a pretty active forum. Uh, so Brian, when, when you started in, you know, back in 2013, did you start in production or what, what division did you decided to come in as? So I started my, in production, um, shot that classifier match. So I got classified after my first match. Um, but I only shot production for, let's see, that was September in January. I actually purchased a M&P 40 and I went into limited. So when you, uh, that first classifier match, what, what were you using at that time? That was a M&P, uh, full size, but I think a four and a quarter inch barrel. Mm-hmm. So, and then I bought it that 40 Cal pro, the M&P pro just came out. So I bought that in 40 and spent way too much money on fixing it up to make it better. Quote unquote yeah. better. <laughs> right. All the whiz bang parts that didn't yeah. really matter at the time. <laughs> and then made it uh, non reliable. So, you know. I mean, that's what we do. We kind of make guns go to the ragged edge of performance, right? So they'll right. either they'll break or they'll run. <laughs> yep. And it, it broke a lot. Yeah. 
So how long did you end up shooting that gun in limited? So I shot that gun in limited, uh, 13. I want to say I got my first 2011, actually Matthew got up 2011 before I did. Um, uh, man, I'm going to say it was probably around 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. that I got the 2011s. Oh, so that's not bad. So you, you did stick with the Plastic Fantastics for a couple of years then, so it wasn't yes. like immediately. No, no, I ran that. Uh, in fact, I had a couple of the uh, M&P 40 cals because, you know, have to have a backup. In fact, Matt tried it for a while. He didn't like the uh, trigger on it. He couldn't reset it. Um, it had the, uh, what's that, the Apex trigger. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, with that paddle, he just couldn't let it reset. So we ended up getting rid of those. He went to a 2011 first, and then I followed suit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So now i got to remember, did he go to limited first and then open? or? Yeah. So Matthew, yeah, he, he started off in limited minor. He actually shot that uh, M&P four and a quarter inch gun with a magwell. So he shot limited minor. Um for most of his youth, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he shot rimfire for maybe four months, and then he went into 9mm, which actually at the time was easier to get 9mm than it was 22. Mm -hmm. And he shot uh, limited minor, and then he got the... Uh, tried 40, didn't like it, went back to the limited minor, and then he went to the 2011 40 cal. Mm-hmm. And then, then he just got you suckered along, and then you had to have two of them, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, it was so nice that I had to get one for myself. At what point did you realize that you were going to both need open guns? Um, so he wanted to always go to open. You know, he, he wanted to race with all the, the big dogs, and so we did that. Um, he actually did purchase his own open gun, so that was all done by him. And I went to open... Mostly because eyesight, you know, getting older. Um, I was having issues seeing my irons. So I, he shot, that's why he shot limited last year and I shot open mm -hmm. until, until uh, we got a second open gun. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. So, and it, so you say your eyes made you go to limited because you, well, from limited to open because, you know, seeing a dot is so much easier. Right. Um, now, did it? Did you instantaneously become a faster shooter going from irons to a dot, or were you still were you slower because of it? It took a while to get used to the dot. So, I grew up and was taught to shoot with one eye open. Mm -hmm. So that's how I always shot. Um, it's just, and I tried both eyes open with irons, and it didn't work out real well for me. So I went back to one eye. Um, but with the dot, I forced myself to use two eyes. So there's a learning curve there, but. But I tried shooting limited, what, last month, I think, Matt and I shot, and it, it didn't go well. <laughs> was it more because you were just shooting at the pace of open with iron sights, or? Um, yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that that's noticeable. Well, that's typical for everybody. It's like, right? I, like, I shoot open. I want to go fast. Oh, wait. Yeah. These bumpy things I've got to read. <laughs> yeah. And then the recoil is different. And then, of course, we didn't actually practice or anything. We just you know, said we're going to shoot limited today. And that's what we did. Right. Yeah. So, 
um, from your start, you know, 2013, how long did it take you to get involved um, at matches? So actually pretty quick. So um, the first match I went to was at a club called uh, Competitive Shooters of Statesville. It's a club that's no longer here. They uh, actually disbanded. Um, but they had, you know, come set up, you shoot for free. And they were pretty close to the house, so I would go shoot their match and set up in the morning, and so I could shoot for free, and you know put everything away. Um, so I would be on the setup crew there. Um, I started doing that at the Rowan match. Um, at the time, I actually lived in Mooresville, a little bit farther away from Salisbury, with a Rowan match. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also go set up in the morning, shot for free, um, and I think. 2016, about six years ago, I took over uh, myself and Dan Dwyer and took over as match directors at Rowan. So when you took over, um, was it a big adjustment from just helping or was it kind of a natural progression from helping to actually being the full-fledged match director with Dwayne? Um, So it was, I was doing some stages like one, I, I do one stage, um, at the time, the match director, uh, Mark Evans, um, if you had a stage, you could bring it and set that stage up. Um, so I was used to designing some stages. Um, so it wasn't quite the just direct plunge into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so when Dan and I took over, we did have a, a third guy, um, who kind of did some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, Dan was doing the computer part of it, the tablets and all that, and still does. Um, and I was uh, set up help and stages was my, and still is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Well, and it must see now you still get a crew of people to help show up, correct? They sh- yes, we have. We're actually very lucky. We have a very dedicated group of people to come set up our match. It's the same guys pretty much every month with a few mixed in. Um, we actually will set up Saturday morning. We get there about 7 a.m. And by about 9 to 9.30, we're pretty much set up, ready to go. And shooting starts at 10 or 11? We start shooting at 10 o'clock. We'll have a safety meeting on the bays around quarter to 10, plus or minus. And then, yeah, first shots around 10 o'clock. Right. So with that kind of efficiency and all the people there, do you have stages already drawn up? Or are they kind of just... Yeah, so the typical is uh, John Royer here. Uh, he usually does one stage, and then I do four, and then we have a classifier. Mm-hmm. That's not bad then, especially you know with all your help, you're able to hand out sheets and exactly and yep. pictures and be like, here, go set this up on the ground. <laughs> right, and that, and like I said, we have guys that are there every month. They know where everything is. Um, and basically you just hand them the sheet and if they have any questions, they ask away. And so normally, depending on how many people we get, um, like uh, yesterday was our match. So I did set up one stage. Um, but once I got it close, I let Matthew finish it. And then I started walking the other stages, make sure, you know, legalities and all that stuff and shoot throughs and just, you know, the tweaking of them. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Matthew there. So do you always work with him or is it just the pleasure sometimes of building a stage with him? Um, so Matthew has been helping us as long as I've been match director there. 
He's mm. been coming to set up uh, even before I was match director. Um, but uh, so I can, so he normally, again, depending on how many people we have, um, as long as we have one per stage, he'll normally, we have a, a gator and a trailer that we borrow from the club and he'll normally distribute everybody's stuff. Um, so we don't have to carry it. And then once that's done, he just kind of goes to whatever bay needs help. Um, but I can put him on a stage and he'll build, build a stage just as well as anybody else. Good. Now, are you using little, uh, 3d printed kits or are you using like SketchUp when you design stages? No, I actually use uh, Trident. Oh, okay. Because it's what I've always used, and it's like 10 bucks a year. Yeah. So it's no... not the most sophisticated program, but, mm -hmm. but it works. De yeah, it definitely gets the idea across of what you want on the ground. Yeah, so with the guys that I have, um, they, they've been probably about four or five years solid with us now. And they don't always put it down the way that I have it in my head, but as long as the stage works, who cares? Mm -hmm. Right now with your culture of, you know, you've got your guys who always come help set up. Um, does it seem like new blood is coming into that or, or is it getting stagnant that way? Um, we've had a few new guys come in. Um, we'll have some guys show up when they can to help. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, our core group, well, I think we have eight or nine core guys that show up every month. And then we have probably four or five that sometimes they're, sometimes they're not. Last, last month, I think we had 13 guys setting up. And then yesterday, I think we had nine. That's still a very impressive number of people helping set up. Yeah. I'm, I remember when I was uh, very involved in my local club, um, there was five of us. You'd have mm -hmm. five people setting up six, seven stages, and it's like, Yep. It's not very fun. No, and, and, and the setup, honestly, it's not so bad setup. I mean, it just takes longer. If you're, if you're not done by 10 o'clock, shooters just got to wait. Or the people are coming, they'll be like, hey, man, could I help you nail some stuff down? And, you know, you get help that way. It's the putting away part that uh, is tough at the end of the day. Oh, 100%, especially yeah. when everyone's ready to go home and they're like, mm -hmm. I don't want to Sarah down. Yeah, exactly. And you get, uh, you know, North Carolina, you get those 95, 100 degree days and people tend to scoot as soon as they're done shooting. Mm -hmm. Now, have uh, you found ways to counteract that or is that just a very rare occurrence where people will do that? Uh, it's pretty rare. Um, we typically, most of our shooters will stick around if, if nothing else, break it down and get it loaded onto the trailer or truck. And then so that we can just drive it over. Um, which is great. I mean, we have more than enough people sitting at the shed to put stuff away. Um, but uh, typically, I don't. I can't tell you the last time I've actually had to tear down a stage other than the stage I um, end on. Mm -hmm. um, so, so our shooters are pretty good. I mean, with a lot of new people. I think uh, even with that, you know, in our little safety meeting, we always you know beg for help. Hey, help us. The more you help us, the you know easier it is for us type of thing. So we've done pretty good with that. I mean, we typically like uh, yesterday, I think we were leaving the range by a little after three o'clock. Well, that's not terrible at all then. No, no, that's, that's six stages shot, put away and out of there. Yep. 
scores posted by then, I'm assuming, too? Yeah, scores are posted. Um, typically, Dan will collect all the uh, tablets while we're starting to break down, and he'll have those loaded pretty much before everything's put away in the shed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good, especially since, you know, the tablet, everyone's always like, our scores posted, our scores mm-hmm. posted. It's like, yep. they'll be when they're up when they're up. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Now, I, I remember back in the day when I first started, mm-hmm. you had to wait for the email three, four, or five days later to see where, where you finished. Mm-hmm. Probably back, what, were they still using easy win score then? Um, yeah, I believe it was. Um, I know even with when practice score first came out, I don't think it was quite as instant. Plus mm-hmm. that the one range didn't have Wi-Fi, so I had to wait for him to get home anyways. Yeah, that's definitely the... Uh... The, ben- the nice thing about some ranges now having the built-in Wi-Fi yep. and whatnot. Um, I wish all I wish all ranges had built-in Wi-Fi or strong enough hotspots to do that, but don't always get that lucky. So um, now I forgot what I was going to ask, but it's okay because I'm going to ask a different question. So um, how involved um, have you been with the with the Carolina Classic that's been hosted at your range? So I've been unofficially involved for most of it. Um, mm-hmm. The last, other than I typically would work a stage um, mm-hmm. for the Carolina Classic, um, whether it's at Rowan or um, it's been at Sir Walter, I've worked there. Um, I typically would run a stage. I typically will design a stage. Um, in fact, uh, this year, stage one was mine. Um now, since I've started the company, like this year, I did not work a stage. I was on-site vendor instead. Um, but as far as that, uh, basically whatever John asked for, I would help him. If we were building walls on a Sunday, we went and build walls. Um, we painted, you know, the fault lines one Sunday. You know, whatever he asked me to do, I'll, I'll help him out. Yeah, well, and especially it's it's probably very nice to help you know you yourself your yourself john and nathan are, are seem to be like the little three company squad of amigos right yep <laughs> always doing stuff for each other helping each other out and it's cool to even see you know just jump through all the hoops especially since you're the, lo- the monthly match director it's kind of nice you have the relationship with the range and so does john and probably makes things a lot smoother on getting access when needed yeah it, it- that's one of the one benefits of being a match director. We get to play with the props when we're needing to practice. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Everyone needs prop practice, right? Yeah. True story. Mm-hmm. So when you so you said you designed stage one this year, right? Mm-hmm. What was your theme or goal or challenge that you wanted to test the shooters with? Um. So that's stage there i was looking for i like to design stuff with options everybody says oh we need options we need options options make a great stage mm-hmm. um i i hate stages that are only one way to shoot it whether it be forced that way or it just doesn't make sense to shoot it any other way mm-hmm. um, so i try to create a stage where um move of the start position it'll change the dynamic of the stage where it's not just you know go here shoot here go here shoot here it's like hey i can go 14 different directions and shoot different targets and it, it in as a stage designer even 
local match. If I can see people sitting there having a huge discussion on what to do, when to do it, then I know I did a good job designing that stage. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Like, I agree with that. If you get all the wheels turning and people thinking, well, is it, do I enter on this target or do I take it really far away? Right. It, it it makes you feel good, right? Because it's not like, oh, I, I'm, I didn't give them one choice. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's nothing worse as a stage designer to go up and see that everybody shot the stage the same way. It's like, oh, well, I guess I only really gave you one real option. Mm -hmm. Now, were you able to um, keep an eye on stage one to see how people ran it? So I was where we had set up uh, for a vendor. Um, I was probably, I don't know, two, 300 foot away from it. So I could just, if I wasn't busy, I could walk over and just kind of glance and watch. And... Mm -hmm. So, so was your uh, prediction true that they were able to uh, run it different ways? Yeah, there was, uh, there was probably at least four viable options on that stage this year. Um, and looking at the times, I don't know that it really mattered which way you ran it. I think it was more of a comfort zone than than a better time situation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what made you decide to start Make Stuff Better? Okay. Um, so it's one of those I always wanted to buy a laser and play with it. Um, so my background is, so I'm, uh, I've been a carpenter for 20 plus years. So working with wood and handyman, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. so lasering stuff has always kind of been one of those things that just kind of made sense, kind of technical stuff. Um, so I bought, um, two lasers last, uh, so July of last year, 2022. And more of a just uh, just to play with them. And as soon as I started posting stuff, hey, look what I'm doing. Then I got the, hey, can you make me that? And so the little hobby turned into a little side business. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of just, it grew quickly. So I went from having those two lasers to buying a, a third one in November of last year. And then I bought a fourth one, it was February or March of this year. So now I'm up to four lasers running. Mm -hmm. Is that and does that include the one that's kind of mobile that you can take to uh, to matches? Yep. That's my newest one. It's <laughs> pretty cool. I know I've ordered a few things from you, and uh, uh, everyone was like, "Well, the first thing is I ever saw is I wanted to send was the mag gauge, right?" Yep. Mm -hmm. I sent my mag. I sent. I ordered a mag gauge, had it directly shipped, and I'm people are like, "Why'd you get it laser engraved?" Because I don't want yeah. to steal it from me. Why like, not? Exactly. It's like. Well, I blame John because John got one lasered first. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I got to do this, right? I've got a logo. It'll work. And I said, I don't know. I set it out every major match I've worked, like for the first stage of the day. You know, luckily I'm never the stage right before Chrono. So they have time <laughs> to figure out their crap. But um, no, I leave it out and then I don't have to worry about anyone walking away with it. And if anybody yep. walked away with it, it's kind of obvious to find. Right. You've, you've got to either just you've got to sand take a sand like a grinder to it to get my logo right. off. Yep. Yeah, that's uh like if you uh you ever see me at a match, just look at any of my gear. Mm -hmm. There's probably not much that doesn't have the make stuff better logo on it. I mean my my everything. I um uh, I I think I did my case gauge. I've done my 
mag gauge, um, even my pacer guns have my logo on them. Mm, that's a smart idea too. Uh, even my speed loaders, I'll have my logo on them. It part of it was practicing, you know, learning all the settings and the lasers, and part of it was we've been known to leave stuff on stages, and at least now I know they're exactly mine. <laughs> Right, exactly. Now, it seems like lasers nowadays are the new 3D printers of the world, right? Yeah. It, like, if you go on Facebook, there's there's tons of groups and there's tons of people buying them. Um, the thing is with lasers, it's not you hit a button and it just magically does stuff. I mean, to a degree, it does. But I can show you many, many boxes of stuff in the house that got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Just because I was practicing. Yeah. Well, if you don't practice, you're never going to learn, and you're never going to know what the limit is of how bad yep. you can mess up, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've I've melted some stuff. I mean, I I filled that garage full of smoke a couple of times. Mm -hmm. The question is, can you still park in your garage? No, I never no. could. No. no, it's always yeah. been a storage storage. Yeah, location. it it was never never a parking area. So. Gotcha. Yeah, it seems like. That's up here. Like my garage is hopefully, hopefully next year we're going to be able to park in the garage because we finally got a shed to put all of our uh, lawn equipment in. So we no, yeah, it. no, no, I've, I've, I've don't think I've ever in my whole life had a garage I could park in. Mm -hmm. It's always, the garage has always been a shop of some sort. Gotcha. Now, uh, so with the lasers, um, what was your first biggest project that you were really proud of? Um, actually going way in the beginning, um, I actually did a, a, a large monogram cutout, um, and it was just kind of cool. You know, you, I, it was quarter inch plywood painted it black. In fact, it's still up on my wall. It's a Eagle with flags and about 11, 12 inches long. Um, it just was cool. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing and mm -hmm. I think on that project, I did smoke out the garage because I didn't have the, uh, back in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have the, uh, you know, the air filtration or any of that stuff. I just hit the button and <laughs> saw what would happen. Right. But, yeah. So you've got to have at least a basic or decent understanding of like CAD or some, you know, or vector files because. Yes. So I do have, so I actually have a background in in engineering. I, st I actually started going to school for engineering, mm -hmm. um, a few years ago, well, back in after high school. So, right. um, and so I have, I have CAD. I took CAD college courses and stuff. Um, the program that I use, luckily all, all the lasers use that program. So I only had to learn one. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some designing, um, some of it, uh, in the beginning, you could go on the Facebook pages and get files and try them and that stuff. So it was, there's ways to be able to try stuff without having to know exactly how to do everything. And then after that, you know, those files didn't quite do what you wanted. So I learned by uh, trial and error on how to design stuff and fit it and, and move on from there. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. So how long did it take you from learning the laser to lasering on your first firearm? So it was probably my, when I did my first firearm was probably about a month before I did it. 
And it was probably one of the most nerve wracking to hit that start button that I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so basically I have a bunch of guns of my possession that I'll never be able to sell because they have some weird markings on them that nobody would ever want. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, uh, it was about a month before I did a, did a firearm now doing someone else's firearm that, uh, that was probably a solid two to three months before I did that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You just be like, I gotta be, it's gotta be dialed down first. Before yes. I yeah. And, and with the laser, the, the settings are everything. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, once you get them dialed in and you think you're good, then you find out that all the atmospheric conditions matter. Um, so humidity, heat, cold changes everything as well. Now, do you need so. to know a lot about like the metal that it's itself, or do you need to more about know about the coating that's on the, the firearm? Um, yes to both. So depending on what, what you want to do, if you want to do a deep engrave or you're just trying to, you know, mark the surface, you need to know, um, how that surface is going to react to the heat. Um, so like on, uh, MBX mags, uh, stainless steel, basically, um, if you want those numbered, I'll do what I call a black mark. Um, and it's smooth. So it doesn't, you know, you're not pushing up dirt that gets stuck in an engraving into your into your gun and such. Um, but what you're basically doing is you're altering the first layer of the metal, heating it up and turning it black. Um, I found out very easily that not always is it stainless steel. Sometimes it's a weird chrome that looks like stainless steel and you will totally destroy a mag. Mm. And yeah, I, uh, I melted the chrome coating that I thought was stainless steel once. Mm-hmm. Was it your mag or Matthew's mag? It was one of mine, yeah. Okay. You would have been nice and probably traded him anyways. Like, here, yeah. I messed up your mag. Here's a mag. <laughs> I mean, we got, uh, we have a bunch of mags, base pads <laughs> mostly that, because uh, my whole idea behind the whole company was engraving base pads on site. Because, you know, <laughs> to number your base pads, if you don't sharpie them, it's hard. No one was doing it. And so we, that's what I always practice on. So I have probably at least, a half dozen of aluminum base pads that have the number one from head to toe. They're probably about mm-hmm. 20 number ones on it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that though. Yeah. I mean, it looks funny. It's still, you can still use them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've since bought new ones, so they look pretty. So when I go to a match, they're not like, what the heck is this thing? <laughs> right. Hey, you're not going to want to steal it if it looks like Duke, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, pretty much it's going home with you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> They'll be like, Hey man, you dropped this. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or now that that's probably the cool thing is being able to take someone's idea or vision and then put it to a piece of material, right? Yep. So like God, you did those clocks, it seems like. Did mm-hmm. did you have to then because you know, you you talked about your woodworking background too. Did you have to get the, the stencil and then cut them all out and then you got to laser them? Nope. So the clocks that I did for North Carolina, and actually, um, if you've seen them on Instagram or that, uh, that's all cut out with the laser. Mm-hmm. So the the one laser I have um, does wood. It cuts through. Uh, I can cut through up to a half inch plywood with mm-hmm. that one. It's slow, but it'll do it. Um, quarter inch is a little easier. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's all done right on the laser. Um, now I have done some stuff like I'll do the woodworking part, um, like the North Carolina, 
um, trophies I made this year. I had the little wood base. I just, I cut that out with table saw and, and sanded and stained those. So a little woodworking background for that. But uh, yeah, any of the clocks or any of the um, detailed wood parts, it's all cut out through the laser. Gotcha. Now, how difficult is it to do that slate-like material? Um, so the slate's not bad. Um, that uh, it, it's again, it's just knowing which setting to use. Um, so with slate, you can kind of do a couple of different things. Like if it's coaster, um, you don't really want to engrave deep because then you'll just the the when your cup sweats, it'll cool on it. Um, so you only want to kind of mark the surface. So. It's a different setting versus like when I did the trophies for the falling steel and then John, uh, his plaque we made for him. Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually in there a little deeper. It's actually engraved. It's not just a surface mark. Um, so it's just a different setting. Jeff and speed up with the laser and that. And uh, those I use uh, a fiber laser with because uh, mm -hmm. it's a little faster. Gotcha. Well, it seems like you've really mastered your, would you say you're a master of the laser now? Or are you still, still um, learning? In comparison to some people, I, I would say yes, but there's some people like, like on the Facebook groups, you look at some of their work and I, I look at mine and go, wow, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there, there's some guys that are just like unbelievable, but uh, I'm getting there. I mean, like I said, every, every project gets a little bit better. You learn a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, if you can't take, you're at least going to take one thing away from that project, right? It's like, oh, well, maybe I could turn the laser up a little bit faster or it needed to be on longer. Exactly. I mean, that, that that's the biggest thing is finding out how to make it look the way you want it the fastest possible. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if it's taken, you know, three days to make something, you're only charging 20 bucks, probably really not worth your time. Right. And I'm assuming with your lasers, you've got to do preventative maintenance or change nozzles or heads or something like um, that. Believe it or not, not really. Um, so they have a very long lifespan, um, these types of lasers. There's some others that do have a very short lifespan and uh, you got to change tubes. And I didn't get involved with that type of laser because of that reason. Um, so it does kind of limit me on speed. Uh, and some of the material I can work with. Um, but the, the lasers I have, as long as you keep them clean, they pretty much should run continuous. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice. So if you could say, if you could project in five years, where would you like to see make stuff better be at? Oh, as far as a dream or reality? <laughs> Do both. Um, I, it, in a perfect world dream, I would love to do it full time. I mean, if I could do it as my full time job, that would be awesome. Um, do I see that happening? Probably not. Um, but my goal um, for short term within the next few years, um, I'm sponsoring more matches. Um, next year, I think we're on slate for five matches right now mm -hmm. and on site vendoring. Um, and kind of up that. I mean, I got it, it, it's kind of a fine balance because I still do have to you know, work for a living um, mm -hmm. to actually pay the bills. Um, so I can't be at every match every weekend. Um, it was kind of nice when uh, Rowan was hosting A6 in North Carolina because it's only a 10 minute drive. So not a whole lot of uh, travel time involved to, uh, vendor there. But uh, so next year we're going to we're traveling quite a bit. So we're going to see how it plays out kind of go a little bit slow into it, but 
pick up some steam in the next five years on it. Well, that'd be nice. And, and, and that's, you know, that's everyone's dream, right? To be able to do the full-time thing. Like, right. like Nathan Carter, I'll say he's very, very lucky to do what he does for a living now instead of what he was doing for a living. Right. I don't know if he made it off better for more free time or not, because, you know, working in the career him and John used to work, you know, is like fast paced. You're always working, but no free time. Right. True. I always, I always make fun of John though. It's like, so, so you, uh, behind schedule, or you had a schedule due to whatever happened on Sunday, <laughs> but that's always the fun part. But, um, and, and it's cool. Like I said earlier, you know, you three are like the three amigos cause you're always collaborating at something. It seems yep. like, yeah, we have, we have uh, quite a few group texts on talking about what matches to go to, what matches to we're sponsoring and, um, that kind of stuff. And, you know, especially for North Carolina, um, you know, what are we going to do? What time you get in there? All that stuff. So, and we help each other. I mean, we, uh, even before I had make stuff better, um, John sponsored Matthew. I mean, I get all my components through John. Um, I reload my own stuff, but I do get my components from him. Um, Nathan's been a huge help through the years. Um, I, I've gotten countless parts for the guns from him. Um, support from him. Um, so SSI has been a huge, huge help for me and Matthew as we came up through the, the shooting sports. Uh, Nathan's been in it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so now um, I just like to give back to him. You know, I, I laser for those guys and they're like, how much? I said, just big hug, man. That's all I want. <laughs> Yeah, that's always a cool thing too. I see now that um, Nathan's got a little bit into lasering on some of the parts, but yeah, he, he bought himself a little a little laser, and so he can mark some of his parts and stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, especially it's well, I think the last one I saw was his Alpha Droppers. You yeah. know, the the powder funnels, which probably fly off the shelves like hotcakes as it is. Yep. Like I have one in my press because you know oh, it's yeah. it's the best bullet, it's the best powder dropper out there. Yeah, I got one in each of mine. Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm surprised that you actually load your own ammo. You just don't go over to John's and be like, load, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not saying it. I, so I do actually get some ammo from him. Um, like uh, we started shooting Glock matches this past year. Nathan kind of got us into it mm-hmm. and it's fun. Um, but I don't want to switch to nine minor because uh, I'm basically set up for open and it's just kind of a pain. So I'll just, hey, John, I need 400 rounds. So we're going to go to the lock match. And we bar- usually barter for services and mm-hmm. and get some ammo that way. But uh, I've always enjoyed reloading. Um, so it's kind of kind of therapeutic until it became more of a, a need rather than a hobby. So I still, I still pull a handle. It's not automated yet. I do run a 1050 though, so it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, probably because you use it for the swaging, right? For your, for your. Yeah, pockets. I was. So I actually, um, I actually started using process brass um, mm-hmm. just recently. Um, I got some from John, and he got me hooked on it because um, pulling the handle was starting to hurt the shoulder and the wrist after a while. Um, so John's like, oh, "I'll use this," and it was a lot smoother. So I actually. Uh, um, got some brass from uh, Joey, Action Brass, um, and that uh, that's that's pretty nice. Having oh, I, all, I, I will agree. Done. Yeah, I just throw the primer in, and mm-hmm. and yeah, you're good to go. 
Yeah, I use all that. I use Action Brass Co. Brass for all my major matches. He even asked me one time when I, I first placed an order. He's like, bro, do you want a certain head stamp? I'm like, I don't care. Like, yeah. people who care, like, have too much to worry about. <laughs> yep. Like, is it clean? Is it roll-sized? Is it, you know, is it swaged? That's all I need. <laughs> yeah, so, and it's funny because uh, it, it, it's nice. It's clean. It's bright and mm -hmm. shiny. Um, I kind of laugh because I don't. I wouldn't even clean my brass. Like, so... I kind of fell into buckets of brass about four years ago. I mm -hmm. bought about seven buckets of nine millimeter brass off of right. a guy. And so that finally ran out last year and uh, no, uh, this year, but in the summer. Um, so that's why I, I started looking for other brass options. Um, but yeah, I never even cleaned it. It came well, it was once fired stuff from indoor range. I'm like, yeah, it's clean enough <laughs> throw it in there and go. Right, yeah, your 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 dyes do most of the work anyway. Yeah, it's fine. Your little lube, don't worry about it. Yeah. Now I'm curious, are you using AA7 or HS6 or some other powder? Um, so we are currently using 3N38, um, but that's a recent change. We were using Major Pistol, okay, um, because of the price, but you cannot find it. So we're using 3N38 right now. It's expensive, but luckily Matthew works at a reloading store. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he, he's been buying the powder recently. So that's mm -hmm. helps out some too. Well, I will say I do enjoy three and 38. It is very decently clean Yeah, and it, it meters well. I'll say yes. it's, it's, it does. I, I, I hate loading it because I spill it so much, yep. it, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely clean um, with Major Pistol, uh, Shooter's World Major Pistol. I loved it. It was cheap, but it left that oatmeal in your uh, barrel lugs. And so every match I'd have to take the brake cleaner and clean it all out. But uh, yeah, 3 and 38, I looked at the guns today because I was going to clean them while the laser's running. And I'm like, I don't know why I need to clean these. Mm -hmm. So they're going to go another match before I scrub them down. Yeah, it seems like maybe I'll take my gun apart and wipe it, but it's not like a, a massive clean right. either. It's just like, yep. okay, I wiped off the gunk that's in mm -hmm. the, the chamber. <laughs> We're calling exactly. it Exactly, yeah. A little bit there, and you're good to go. But, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we're we running 3N38. We I think I got probably 12 pounds of that sitting on the shelf. And Matthew's going to get some uh, A7, double A7, and we're mm -hmm. going to try that too. I've heard good things about that. Yeah, it always seems like, there's always something to be experimenting with if it's powder right. or, or a bullet yeah. type. And and 3N38's great, um, but it's so darn expensive. I mean, I can get eight pounds for the price of the four pounds of 3N38. So, mm -hmm. Well, and then I was like, who's, I don't know what powder was. Maybe it was HS6. HS6 jumped up like astronomically. Yeah. But but it was just like, I, I, I'm kind of in your same boat. It's like, it's a little pricey, but it's nice and clean. So it's like... Do I keep buying it or is mm -hmm. it? Well, the, the thing is, is it available too? That's the, always the hard part is, is the powder you want available? Exactly. And that availability tends to change your purchasing quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you're you probably what, nine, one, nine, two grains of powder? Uh, nine even. Okay. So you're getting, you're getting a little bit less out of your less powder usage. I'm at nine, two. I okay. probably could bump it down to a nine, one, maybe nine, oh. But I was always told, you know, the guy, the guy who built my guns, like, yeah, I run nine, two. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like yeah. and our, our guns are identical other than appearance. It's like, okay. 
check it, check it. But yeah, I agree with you. The shoulder does suck to, to reload ammo at a yeah. high speed. Now, the question is, why don't you make Matthew load the ammo? Um, honestly, I, I, I don't mind doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would. He, he definitely would. He case gauges most of the time. Um, but I also, I like to control stuff. So Matthew, fun story, way back when I had a Lee loadmaster press matthew mm-hmm. wanted to reload and if he was 12 i'd be 12, 11 or 12. he didn't push it all the way down loaded a couple hundred rounds which back then 100 rounds was a lot for us and one primer was seated i mean they were sick and halfway out <laughs> oh. so yeah but yeah, yeah since then he that. really hasn't loaded anything <laughs> well i mean as long as you enjoy it too right now, yeah, I've I've been thinking about getting automation. Pure, I don't shoot as much as I'd like, but an automation would be nice. You can just stand there, you watch it run. Yep. Yeah, so I, I have the. I don't know if it's quite a luxury, but um, as the laser's running, if I'm running something big, I either stand there and watch it, which is you know good for a while, or I sit there and load ammo, so I can load ammo, run the other laser, jump back and forth. You know, typically, I can load two three hundred take a break check the laser give my shoulder a rest come back load another couple hundred so and i'm not just sitting there loading a thousand at a time mm-hmm. absolutely uh, my max is like i like to do it's weird i like to do 200 round increments mm-hmm. so it's like okay if i load 200 rounds right now i've got enough for the next match or if yep. i do 200 more rounds i've got two matches worth or right now if it's a major match it's automatically 500 rounds getting dumped into a bucket yeah so yeah remember everything i do is double so i gotta Mm -hmm. for that local i need 400. yeah yeah that's for sure now have you been able to test any of john's nine major yeah in fact uh after the match yesterday we uh we shot some of his um john when he has some quote unquote defects like hey these might have some minor in them because if he had an issue um he uh donate some of those to our practice rounds. So I, we, we shot quite a few of his rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we chronoed some of his newer rounds for him yesterday. He likes to check them in different guns and such. Yeah, he sent me some and he's like, have you have you shot that yet? I'm like, it's cold up here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, I did just join a new indoor range, so maybe I'll be able to chrono my own crap inside. So I'll be happy with that. Yeah, that, that's one of the benefits of North Carolina. Yeah, it was a little cold yesterday. I think it was like 45, 50. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of that, how many shooters did you end up with yesterday? Uh, I think we finished with 71, 72. Is that average for you or is that a little low, a little high? Um, for this time of year, that's probably about par for the course. Um, we typically get 70 to 80. Um, our max is 84. We kind of cap it um, just because we don't want to, you know, we could probably have more back Back uh, before COVID, we would the max the match would um, fill in about ten minutes. Like we we'd be we would fill it to ninety, knowing that people would drop out to get to our eighty four by Friday. Um, but yeah, we we would cap it at ninety, and we would have the match filled in less than 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. After COVID, hasn't quite been that fast and furious, but but yeah, we typically get anywhere from seventy to. 80 right now mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I see that um, uh, Matthew did fairly well at the match yesterday. Yeah, yeah, he had a pretty solid match. He uh, had a couple couple oopses here and there, but not bad. Now, um, are you more excited? For, are, are you more excited about his performance than your own, or, or are you still so, like I want to win? Well, so yes, but most of everything I do for shooting is to keep him going. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if I shoot bad and he shoots good, it's still a good day, but I'm still very competitive. Um, so yeah, if I, if I have a bad stage, bad day, it, it still bothers me, but yeah, me shooting is not so much about me anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it's about him. Right. Now, when you guys go to a match or a stage, will you actually talk stage plans or? Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, I will say one great thing about Matthew. He sees stuff. I don't see. I mean, he, um, and plus he'll, he'll walk with other people walking stages without me and then get their ideas. So yeah, if, if I'm lost at a stage, I'm like, just don't know what I'm doing. I'd I'd be like, Matt, where are we going? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. And then, and then you'll hear us argue about stages too. Mm -hmm. Um, there's times where I look at him and go, that's just really stupid. Yeah. But does he, does he usually have a reason why it's really stupid though? Yeah. Yeah. That's, at least that's a good way he can articulate the reason why. So it's not just, oh, well, because I think so. Or, right. You know, yeah. I, I, I mean, saw somebody else shoot it this way. So that's why we're doing it. Yeah. So, but I mean, him, for the most part, his stage plans, him and I have a very similar shooting style. I mean, so his stage plans are normally pretty decent for me. So there's, uh, especially like uh, our match. Um, I normally don't have time to walk stages before we go to shoot them. So normally it's, we walk up to the stage, Matt's taking 10, 15 minutes to go look at him. I'd be like, all right, what are we doing? Okay, good. And that's just what I do. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of, kind of dumb it down and shoot it the way he says to shoot it. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that though. Absolutely no. nothing, nothing wrong with using, you know, his, his expertise. Now, would you like to, would you like to see yourself rise in classification or are you okay um, with where you're at? So I'm sitting currently in A class and honestly, I never thought I'd get out of B class. I, I really didn't. I, I thought I'd be B class for life and I, I always joked about it, you know, but uh, yeah, I hit A class this year and I never thought I would. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, I, I don't ever see myself becoming master. No, I, I honestly don't think I can do it. Maybe not open. Maybe if you switch to another division, maybe, or? Eh, I don't know. I mean, to put in the time, I mean, I do practice. Um, so Matthew's kind of more naturally talented shooter than I am. Um, mm-hmm. He can get away with not quite practicing as much. But, yeah, I, I have to dry fire and practice. And and I, I can definitely tell when I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't see myself getting to master, um, especially now that with with the company even going to majors, it's not so much about the shooting; it's about the company now. Um, you know, doing the the vendoring and and doing the networking and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. Right now, have you any ambitions of make uh, building or buying a limited optics gun? Uh, I actually thought about just getting one of the optic mounts that go into the dovetail and converting our 40s and just playing. Um, 
Dan uh, Dwyer, the other match director for Rowan, he did that with one of his 40s, and I shot it. And it was pretty nice. 40 minor is a very, very soft round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would hurt a little bit in capacity, but not really. Right. It's what? You, you can get 20, 20 rounds in a I can a do, yeah, 20 plus one in the 40. And then so I you, think you, you lose I get three 20. rounds. Yeah, because I get, what, 22, I, 22 or 23 in my nines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, real, honestly, it wouldn't matter. It'd be just like shoot limited. Right. I mean, that's the kind of the idea, right? Limited optics. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so I thought about doing that. The mounts, I think I can get a mount for like 50, 60 bucks from, I think, EGW has them. Mm-hmm. But I just haven't done it. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, um, are you able to talk about that really sh- cool uh, laser project that you posted the other day on uh, Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, I did make sure to ask... Uh, um, David from, uh, MPA, if it was okay to post all that stuff. So he gave me, he's like, yep, green light, go ahead. So how did you feel as a person or a business, like to be asked to kind of do that project? Um, kind of honored, honestly. Um, I mean, that was, that was a huge project. Um, uh, so he, so it, it was a ongoing conversation. So David and I, um, David's somewhat local to us. I mean, he's in Georgia, but he comes up to uh, a match here in Spartanburg, um, South Carolina, which we go to, in fact, we'll go to Saturday. Um, it's about two hours for us. Um, so we talked to him there and I, we've known David for years. Um, but yeah, so he, he mentioned it to us. We shot with him at Spartanburg one time and, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to bring him up to you. And I'm like, all right. And then nothing, you know, and then, uh, yeah, he, uh, we shot with him. I think the month before the classic, so in August, and he's like, "Hey man, I got them. They're ready to go." I said, "Okay, bring just bring them to the Carolina Classic," and he did. Show me what he wanted, and he's like, "I want this one. Just if it has a flat surface, I want scroll work on it." I said, "Okay, you got it." Mm-hmm. Now with that, um, the MPAs, you know, they've got that tri top look mm-hmm. on the very front, like well, yep. the whole gun, really. Um, how challenging is that to, um, take in with the laser? Cause it's not necessarily a flat level surface. Right. So with, uh, with the laser and the programming, um, you can account for surface height differences mm-hmm. when you're running it. Um, and depending on what size lens you use, the focus distance, uh, has a little more variation. Um, like it'll stay in focus for a longer distance with the bigger lens you use. Um, so like on like any slide where you're doing the top and it's rounded. Um, there's a couple of different ways I can just use a really big lens and it compensates, or I can actually program in the radius and it'll compensate the power level for that as well. Um, so there's a couple of different ways I, I can do it. Good. So at least it's not so much of a headache, right? You don't have to, yeah. you're not having to do geometry or something. No, no, it's not quite that involved. Um, biggest part on any of the gun, especially the MPA, cause they do have a lot of cutouts is the alignment. Um, like, uh, that gun, as you saw it on Instagram was about 60 hours worth of work. Yeah. Um, so just to give you an idea the top, I did the top of the gun, last the slide and and the comp um it took me five hours just to get the pattern correct all in pre-work right like yes yep just doing the programming um doing the the lineup um getting 
getting everything sized correctly. Yeah, I I, uh, I did it on a Sunday morning. I think I started at like 7 a.m. and I didn't hit go until a little after 12. Mm-hmm. Now, when you did the barrel, well, I'm sorry, the comp and the slide, um, did you have to protect the barrel inside then too, or? Nope. So I uh, I basically took all those parts. So any any cutout that was on there, mm-hmm. I took that out of the the pattern. Oh, okay. So it just didn't laser in there. So it, um, and hard to see in the pictures, but if you look around any of the cutouts, there's actually a border that goes all the way around. Okay. So like, I'm assuming in your program, you can take like a scaled picture of the, of the part, right. And then kind of, kind of, that's how you're playing within your. Yep. Yeah. So, so kind of the quick and easy version is I'll basically draw a rectangle and get it close. And then I'll take, so that will give me the overall length and height of what I'm working on and say side of the slide. You take that and then you, I take a picture and it's got to be very perfectly flat. So I actually have a, a picture cube I use that lets me take a picture of everything perfectly distance flat and then put that in the program. And I size that picture to my rectangle that's exact size. And then I can kind of, I trace it out for any cutouts mm-hmm. and then I sit there and I frame it on the actual slide and do tweaks. So I got to go all the way around the slide tweaking every line. Cause it's, it, it's never perfect from that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm moving that line, you know, a, a few um, thousandths of an inch each time, just kind of moving around and it, it's tedious, but mm-hmm. only way I know how to do it. I mean, somebody that's done this for, while might have a better way but that's the way i taught myself to do it mm-hmm. well that's the cool part right you, you know you talk you t- take yourself pretty much from i bought a laser i have the manual to now i'm playing with other cool things right like right yeah that's yeah. the cool thing right is that you, you know you're self-made you, you know you, you didn't go to school to be a laser a laser runner no I, most of it uh, i went to the school of youtube for mm-hmm. to, to learn most of it and then the rest is just trial and error um i, I had some junk slides actually uh, nathan carter um, has a good relationship with akai custom guns and mm-hmm. he donated about six slides so that's uh, that's where i got my start was some junk uh, akai slides mm-hmm. there you go that's not bad at all then now you um was it your gun or did you put it on matthew's gun the superman logo that's on mine. Okay. What do you do? You love Superman, or is it just like oh, an easy yeah. logo to play with? No, I've always been Superman. In fact, uh, I, I do. I have a Superman tattoo, um, and I also have uh, a Superman light switch cover um, that I've had since 1983. I think we looked it up. Wow. And yeah, it's moved with me seven times now. Does your uh, wife be like, why are we still taking no, this around? No, no, it, uh, it, it's, I mean, like I said, I had it as a kid. Uh, I used to glow in the dark. It's since worn out, but yeah, mm-hmm. I still have it. If, in fact, it's uh, it's in my bedroom. It, it's mm-hmm. for the light switch that goes outside to let the dogs out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. No, I'm a decent superhero fan. Um, I guess my one of my favorite superheroes is uh, Cap, um, it's Shazam. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, Shazam was always cool because he was kind of like Superman, but he wasn't Superman. He was just a kid who right. imbued with magic who had all these cool attributes. So, 
But yeah, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with being a superhero fan or Superman in general. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, Henry Cavill won't be doing Superman anymore, so they'll have to find a new guy. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Christopher Reeve. He was always my Superman. <laughs> yep. God, yeah. Now, okay, so we've talked about Superman a little bit. Who's your Batman though? Um, yeah, I've never, I was never a huge Batman fan. Um, but honestly, going by the movies, Michael Keaton probably was one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, him, he was always a good Batman. He's, I like him a lot more than Bat, um, not Ben Affleck. God, what, Clooney. Clooney, yeah, Clooney was. Uh, yeah, that was a bad yeah, one. Bad he, he was a terrible Batman. Yeah, Affleck, yeah. okay, but yeah, yep. Keaton. Yep, uh, Bale was really good, but um, reason I like Keaton is because Jack Nicholson is his Joker. Yeah, that was money right there. I, I will say Heath Ledger's Joker was pretty epic, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, those those two will probably be the better known villain. You know, the Jokers, in my opinion, I'm not a big fan yep. of the Jared Leto Joker. No, no, I didn't. I, I tried watching that the one day and I didn't make it more than 20 minutes. Yeah. At some point you're just like, eh, it's not, eh, it doesn't work. Yeah. I'll try, try another day. Yeah. Well, even, even though he never played him in person, Mark Hamill, um, Luke Skywalker did the voice for the animated Joker. Mm-hmm. His voice is very good for that role though, too. Yep. See, nothing wrong with being a nerd, people. It's okay. No, it's all right. <laughs> all right. We're, it's just like gun nerds, right? We, we all talk about now. Now, here's a good question. Are you a gun guy or are you a competitor? Um, yes, mm-hmm. but I don't really have, I don't have a ton of guns. Right. Yeah. You don't just go buy a gun to own a gun. You buy no. it. It's got to have a purpose. Most everything I have has a purpose. Um, and honestly, up until recently, like if we won a gun at a match, we'd sell it so we could get ammo. It was it was just a way to help pay for the shooting. Um, up until recently, we actually started keeping the guns because um, the business is actually paying for a lot of the ammo, believe it or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't have I don't have a huge gun collection. Mm-hmm. Right, everything's a gun collection, but <laughs> yeah, open guns aren't they're they're just investments. No. Yep. No, no one can say they're anything otherwise because they're they're investments. They're more likely to break. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, exactly. That's uh, in fact, Matt and I were talking. Uh, we're getting some uh, fireballs with the three N thirty eight yesterday because it's dark out. It was rainy and cloudy, and Matt's like wondering if it's going to wear out the barrel. I'm like, who cares? Mm-hmm. We're probably going to crack them in a year or two anyway. So what's the difference? Right. Yeah. You just get a new barrel. You put a new yeah. comp on it, and that's the hard part too. Though right now is finding having to get new comps like like the binary engineering comp on my gun mm-hmm. doesn't make them anymore <laughs> no so we have uh we're actually running the uh brazos barrel and comp the mm-hmm. one piece so it's all it's all one one piece not threaded on mm-hmm. so i kind of like those we had the bar snow but the brazos was cheaper mm-hmm. uh, saved 100 bucks right nothing wrong with saving money because right nope. more mo- more money means more bullets you got it exactly so um, Brian, we're kind of getting near the end of the time we've got allotted for today, but I do have a few more questions um, for you. And uh, so other than, you know, like John, Nathan, and maybe even Matthew, who have been some of your biggest mentors or supporters in this sport? Um, 
in the sport itself. Um, so I will say we, um, Matthew and I both, uh, were part of Tom's, uh, Castro's, um, shooting Academy for a while. And he actually did help me quite a bit. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that he pointed out that I was doing not so great. And I use that, uh, still use some of his stuff, um, in my shooting now. Um, but as far as support from shooters, um, let's see, there's, there's been some shooters that we've shot with, like since I've started, um, local guys that we still shoot with that have supported me, um, supported Matthew quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, but other than that, um, uh, company wise, I can't really think of, uh, too much uh well i i will say um jeff abernathy with uh tommy guns mm-hmm. um he's kind of our local 2011 1911 gunsmith um he's bailed me out quite a few times um uh, we we cracked a we bulged a barrel once in my limited gun a week before a major and he got me up and running in a day and a half um so, you know, without that, it would have been kind of tough shooting a major. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, yeah. Well, fair enough. Now, now this is the part where I let you, you know, plug your good buddies, right? This is the part, you know, your, your true partners, your people who, you know, you can't really call them sponsors because, you know, you guys are more of a partnership. So you can go ahead and uh, share that now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean John? Yeah, John's always been. John, John's been a sponsor. Like I said, we, 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 uh, we've gotten components from him for years. Um, and yeah, now it's more of a, uh, a working relationship. Like I said, we, uh, we, we barter services back and forth. In fact, uh, I just made him a, a dog tag for him today. It's mm-hmm. like, I need a dog tag. I said, what do you want on it? <laughs> what color? <laughs> Not a problem. Um, and we already talked about, uh, Nathan with SSI, um, without him, we probably wouldn't be as far as we are in shooting. Um, and then of course, Jeff with, uh, Tommy guns helped us out quite a bit. Um, let's see, but yeah, that's, that's most of the, uh, companies, um, we started using Joey, uh, for some brass. So that, that's been working out pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, fair enough. Now, Brian, if people want to get a hold of you, like people who want cool projects done, where is the best place uh, to reach you? Um, so quickest, easiest. Um, I'm on Instagram. That's kind of where I do most of my posting. Um, I do have a Facebook page, but it's not quite as active. Um, I have a website as well. Um, make stuff better.net. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that I do not keep it very up to date. Um, in fact, there, I think last time I posted new pictures was last January. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you want to see the most recent stuff, it's all on Instagram, mm-hmm. assuming that they don't block it, um, right. which, which has been happening. Um, but yeah, Instagram's the biggest. Um, so if you need message, um, you can email me info at make stuff better.net. Uh, message me right through Instagram. Uh, Instagram handle is make stuff better. Um, those are probably the easiest ways. Um, in fact, I think that's how you and I talk most of the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I blame you because it's usually something cool on your page and I'm like, 
I need this. <laughs> you need that in your life, yeah. man. I mean, right, exactly. It's, like, it's like, or it's like, oh, this would be handy to have. And then yeah. it's like Yep. And then uh, like I said, we're um we planning on being at uh I, I posted on Instagram there. Um we got five majors that we're signed up for um to be on site vendoring at. Um we're gonna probably plan on sponsoring some that we may not be vendoring at, but still be a, a sponsor of. Um, but yeah, the, the on-site vendoring is kind of where I, I want to be. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of fun. You get people coming up and like, Hey man, can you do these? I'm like, yep. Give me 10 minutes. Knock it out for you. Yeah. That's always cool. And especially you get to see the gratification of the person right there. And then it's like, cool. I get this done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, so I, I, I did it, uh, this past spring, my first time I did it, we did a Glock match here in North Carolina, uh, in Cherryville. It's about hour, hourish away from the house. Um, and I only had my, I had a, a small laser at the time, um, which would do, uh, vinyl base pad or, uh, excuse me, uh, aluminum base pads pretty well. Um, and it, I didn't really laser too much. Um, it just, uh, word of mouth wasn't there. It was a group that doesn't know me. Um, so, but it was still good. I had a lot of stuff on the table. Um, it was, it was my good, that was my first vendoring experience and I had Nathan and John there with me. So it was a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we did a six, of course, in my backyard here in Rowan. Um, and that laser was also the smaller one, but I did quite a few base pads. I did some, uh, um, did a couple of mags for some people. Um, I did a lot of stuff, um, because I was a, here at my home range, um, and took it home, um, and did it and brought it back. Um, I did a bunch of guns for people, um, slide engraves and stuff. We, the people was really popular at, uh, a six. I did a lot of, we, the people on, uh, on gun slides, probably at least four or five. Um, but, uh, that was, that was tough. Cause I was at the range till about six, six thirty at night, got mm -hmm. there at six in the morning. And then I was home till midnight lasering stuff so I could bring it back the next day. And that's when I said, you know what, if I had a laser that was big enough to do the metal right on site, it would be better. So that's what we did. We bought the bigger, smaller portable laser um, mm -hmm. that can do, do that. And that was our first one was at North Carolina. And that laser ran from about 730 in the morning until almost six o'clock Saturday. Um, it was just constant. I had that much stuff going. Um, in fact, I didn't even finish everything I had. There was some stuff that people didn't want right away. So I came back uh, Sunday morning and finished it up. Um, Sunday, it poured at the Carolina Classic. So it wasn't real busy that day anyways. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Ben Barry um, posted his gun. I actually engraved that right on site at the mm -hmm. Carolina Classic. He just posted it uh, yesterday, um, tagged us in it. Um, I think it was a 2018 uh, Nationals gun he won, so he wanted uh, to signify that. But yeah, did it right on site um, with that laser. So it kind of opens us up to do more stuff. Um, Michael Costley um, has a company, Ghost uh, Blades USA. Mm -hmm. uh, so he sells uh, a lot of knives at, at the matches now. Um, so him and I are kind of working out some stuff and, uh, 
he's uh talks me up I, I engraved a bunch of knives that uh he sold um at carolina classic so you know it uh it, it's starting to grow mm -hmm. and then uh yeah the mpa um doing a bunch of stuff for them there's some more stuff in the works uh david told me there's uh some some slides coming my way here shortly so a lot of stuff in the works oh and it's it, yes absolutely more stuff in the works and it's cool to see you growing and evolving and being able to do matches other than you know just your super local area so it's always cool to see where you're gonna go it's not gonna you know i can only see it going up from here yeah yeah it uh it, it, it's growing it honestly if if you would have told me that I would have done a full MPA gun last year, I wouldn't have believed you. I like, no, there's no way. Mm -hmm. But you did. <laughs> I, but I did, and it, it, it turned out good. I, hopefully, you get to see it. I know he uh, it's going to travel with him to every match he goes. Uh, he did show me a picture. He did get it. Uh, I believe it's black nitride. Don't quote me on what coating. It's black. Um, so he did send me a picture of it. Um, just to see what it looked like after the coating. Cause actually um, that's the only gun that I've, I've ever done that's been coated. So any of mine that I've done, I just oil them. Mm. Uh, I've never recoded them since engraving. So I, I was kind of curious to see, make sure that it looks good even after the coating goes on it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the cool part about it. You know, whatever it turns into. Well, well, Brian, brother, I appreciate your time tonight, and thank you for yeah. chatting, chatting to me. I had a blast, and we got to I got to learn a bit about the lazing process, got learned more about you, and uh, all the cool things that you actually do for us in the shooting sports. So thank you there. But um, as always, listeners, get out and do things, and I will see you on the next one. <laughs>